It's Thursday, October 21st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, once again, Eddie Rosario coming through for the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS. The Braves take a commanding lead uh, in that series over the Dodgers. And Eddie Rosario uh, right now is, you know, really, really doing himself some, uh, some favors as he uh, will be a free agent again at the end of the year. Uh, his performance in this National League Championship Series is pretty good. Jeez, oh man, Joe, this guy. <laughs> Where was this Eddie Rosario when he was when he spent the first four months of the season in Cleveland? I mean, this this guy. You know, if, if the Braves are up three one, if they win tonight, you know he he's got a great chance of being the MVP of the NLCS. I mean, think about that. That a guy that got traded for the Kung Fu Panda. He was on the injured list. Uh, when he got traded, he didn't play for, you know, about two or three weeks. And now he's, he's, you know, he's dragging the, uh, the, uh, the Braves into the world series. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I think uh, in his, in his 78 games with the Indians, he had uh, two, three hit games. Uh, He has two of them in four games in the NLCS right now. So uh, that's uh, just, just crazy to see not only is he hitting the ball, but he's hitting the ball with the power that we, we sort of expected him to hit with in Cleveland, but really didn't get a chance to see. So uh, is it just the change of scenery? Is that, is that the case? I don't know, Joe. I mean, cause he looked like, you know, I've talked to different people and we all, and they, you know, we all had the same conclusion that this guy looked like he wanted to be anywhere else, but in Cleveland when, when after that trade. And I don't know if he was, you know, uh, hurt because the twins non-tendered him. Uh, he didn't like the weather in Cleveland, but I, the weather in Cleveland. And, and Join the club. How could that be? I remember him complaining. He didn't think it would be this cold in Cleveland. So I don't know if that was it. I, but this was, it, it's it's unbelievable. Joe, I, I was looking at something from Jason Stark. In, in his last 11 plate appearances, all in the ALCS, he has seven hits including five singles, a home run, and a triple. I mean, this guy, and, and you know, the, the other, there's there's two outs in there and two walks. I mean, he's hitting 588 in, in the NLCS, 10 right. for 17 with two homers and six RBIs. Yeah, his postseason batting average right now for uh, the, the division series and championship series combined, 467 with a 1248 OPS. 1248 OPS. He was half of that when he was in Cleveland. That's it, it's crazy. Uh, and it, it maybe how does that reflect on Cleveland? How does that reflect on the coaches here? If you know that we knew that that was Rosario's potential, uh, we've seen him do it now in Atlanta. Uh, he couldn't do it here under Ty Van Berkleo and uh, Victor Rodriguez and, and Justin Tool. Uh, what does that say about the hitting coaches here in Cleveland? Well, you know, Joe, this guy's a veteran guy, and I don't, I don't know how much you you coach veterans. You know, you know they've got their own style, their own their own work habits. I mean, you know, in spring training, Tito gave this guy the left field job. Just said, hey, you're going to be our left fielder, which is you know the pl- spot he was most familiar with. Uh, they put they always they played him every day, hit him in the middle of that lineup every day, and. Uh, for whatever reason, he just couldn't, didn't respond. And, and has he changed 
the way, you know, his, his setup or his swing, you know, he seemed to be lunging at everything in Cleveland, a lot of pop-ups, a lot of singles, no power. He didn't drive the ball. You know, this guy hit seven home runs with the Indians and in 33 games, he hit seven home runs with, uh, with the Braves after coming off the uh, IL, you know, in the last 33 regular season games with the, with the Braves. And he really kind of, hit his way into, into being a starting outfielder for them. Yeah, and his hard contact rate was also up. I don't have the, the exact numbers in front of me, but I know that there was a jump in his hard contact rate uh, between Cleveland and Atlanta. So, you know, I again, yeah, it's, it's just sort of a head-scratcher. It's dumbfounding to try and figure out what the difference could be between the, you know, performance in the two, two places. So, yeah, it's it, it's definitely makes you sort of think. You know, this was this was a guy who was supposed to at least for one year be uh, an an answer to that outfield problem, to that outfield you know question that's been plaguing the Indians for so long. Uh, and you know, right now in the postseason, you've probably got two guys who played left field for the Indians in Michael Brantley and uh, Eddie Rosario, who are both going to be playing. Uh, left field uh, it looks like in the world series and against each other and who knows uh, it's just it's crazy I... yeah that's a great point it's like uh, the one world series where cc sabathi and cliff lee faced each other in the world series when the yankees played the played the phillies uh right. and you know joe just think of what the the braves have done to kind of re rework their uh their outfield they you know they bring in Solaire. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's got COVID. He didn't play in this series, but they, Alex Duvall, who's had, you know, they, him and uh, Rosario went back to, you know, hit consecutive home runs in the right. second yeah. inning last night. He's had a great run. They got him from Miami and they get uh, uh, Rosario from, from the tribe. And, uh, you know, they really kind of redid that outfield and really gave him, you know, pushed him in the second half. All right. Uh, Let's uh, let's shift gears uh, over to the American League Championship Series. Uh, Boston now uh, behind three games to two after the uh, Astros, you know, really had a, a another big inning, another outburst there, uh, a six-run outburst, and sort of took control in Game Five. Uh, now they head back to Houston, where you know the the Astros can can wrap things up there. Um, uh, the, the Red Sox will pitch Nathan Evaldi in, in Friday's, uh, game six. Well, what do you think the chances are that they extend to a game seven? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the Red Sox, you know, are in trouble. Uh, you know, they had this thing in hand in, uh, you know, in game four when they had the, uh, what the big lead and, or they had the two, one lead in the ninth and then, mm-hmm. you know, Houston erupts for seven runs and really kind of hammers them. And then, you know, I think that carried over uh, to uh, last night with the nine to one win to give the, the Astros a three, two lead now and poor Nathan Ovaldi. I mean, this guy, I mean, you know, I don't know how much he pitched one guy in, in, in a postseason. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's right now he's two and one with a 5.51 ERA in the postseason. He's got 21 K's. Uh, in this will be his uh, third appearance in the ALCS, wow. uh, second start. So you know he's they, they've you know he's been ridden hard and put away wet, Joe. Yeah, that's uh, it, it seems to be sort of the 
the the calling card the way managers are using these pitchers uh now it's it's almost like we're going for it we're going to try and get our win by using him he's our best guy so we've got to got to pitch him as much as we can uh that it you're seriously exposing these guys to some real chances for injury yeah and and you're also you know in the long run you're probably hurting their value don't you think uh, their uh, you know their ability to to earn a paycheck because you know you kind of devaluate you devalue the use of a starting pitcher you know the starting pitcher is not you know it's not jack morris you know going into the 10th inning and in the 1991 World Series in Game Seven, you're not you're never going to see that again. Nope. Uh, you, you know, in, in, under the, these kind of rules, and, three uh, starters to get that that many. Yeah, innings. yeah, yeah. You're, and and so you know, even and so, if the guy comes out of the out of a postseason run, you've you know, Urias was a I thought was a great example last night. Julio mm-hmm. Urias, Dave, you know, Dave Roberts has used him the same way that Alex Cora has used Evaldi and. I mean, it's it, and it caught how, up to him last night. How far away do you think we are from not having designated starting pitchers versus, you know, relievers versus just not just in the playoffs? I'm talking in the you know in the regular season. How long uh, uh, we talk uh, when we watch NBA games? We talk about positionless basketball and how you've got point forwards and you know swingmen and like that. You know, it's uh, the the Warriors sort of revolutionized having positionless basketball. Uh, how how long before we have positionless starting pitching? Now, I think that's that's a great point, Joe. We've seen it in Tampa Bay. I mean, they've revolutionized it. I mean, and you know, if you're a starting pitcher in Tampa Bay, what you last two years and then they trade you, or you you know mm-hmm. you get you bump up against uh, arbitration or free agency, or you even sign a multi year deal and and you're gone. You know. Uh, so we've seen that, and uh, I think, you know, you really have to have, for that to happen, I think you really have to have that kind of staff. It's a, you have to have a young staff that, that is controllable, that, that has options that you can move up and down, and, it, you know, and, and you can switch out positions, and they're not going to complain. Well, and we saw Cleveland do a little bit of that this year when they were sort of backed into a corner with injuries to their main starters. We saw them. Uh, you know, have Prince, uh, J.C. Mejia go four innings or, you know, Cal Quantrill during his transition from the bullpen to the rotation, he would only go a few innings like that. It, and it, it you know, it, it it worked, but it didn't work. It it worked on certain guys. It worked on Quantrill and, you know, to a degree it worked to, for, for Tristan McKenzie there. But, you know, you saw in J.C. Mejia that it, it wasn't working and, and he needed time to go and, and, and figure things out. So, uh, yeah, it, it, is it maybe by market? Do they, will, you know, the New Yorks and the LAs have the ability to sign big, big name, big ticket, big price starting pitching. And then the smaller market teams have to follow the, the Tampa model and, and use that, you know, shorter rotation of, or, you know, shorter lengths of starters and, and mix and match a little more. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, he, but you know, in the postseason, Garrett Cole, what he got taken out after three three innings. Right. The Yankees took him out. So, but I guess the rules kind of change in the postseason. 
in, in a regular season, you, you know, Cole is going to be out there for at least five innings as long as he's mm-hmm. healthy. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, like you, like you said, it, it, it devalues or drives the price or cost of starting pitching down into a, a range where the smaller market teams like the Cleveland's and the Tampa's can afford, you know, to keep these guys. And then you move on, move on from them when they price themselves out and, and let the New York's and the LA's and the Chicago's, you know, pay the price for them and pay to have them. So maybe, maybe that's it. The, the big market teams have the, the starting pitching that, that goes five, six, seven innings and the smaller market teams have mix and match by, you know, starters openers and you know middle relief guys yeah and you know and i maybe maybe the indians are the will be the exception to that too you know it could be they're sort of in between yeah all right uh let's jump into some questions from our subtext subscribers always great to uh to hear from them they've always got some really great questions to generate discussion here uh once again uh indians slash guardians Subtext, you can go to joinsubtext.com slash guardians now, I guess, is the is the way to go. Uh, joinsubtext.com slash guardians and sign up to get text messages from Hoinsey and myself uh, for a monthly fee. Uh, first question from Carl in Orlando. Carl says, hey, Hoinsey, I sense a major trade coming in the offseason, maybe a police act for a power outfield type. Do you feel anything like that is cooking. Well, I think they're going to have to do something. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think they, they are going to, you know, they, they've never been, they, they're, they're not going to be big players in the free agent market. So I think whatever improvements they make on this team are going to be, you know, through trades, they have a stockpile of, uh, uh, you know, young players of prospects that they could maybe tag, you know, uh, you know, throw in a deal with a police act. Maybe I'm not saying they're going to trade police act, but they certainly can, can, can work a deal like that. I think there's going to be, you know, I, I would agree that, that I don't know how, what kind of, is it going to be a big deal? I don't know, but they, they've got to get some offensive help. They know that, you know, they've got a lot of guys that are running out of options. They've got a lot of young talent and, uh, uh, you know, they do have, uh, you know, I guess it's a source of strength, a position of strength with their starting pitching, but we saw what happened last season. So I'm always leery yeah. about trading starting pitching. Yeah, you can never have enough of it. Uh, and last season sort of proved that to the Indians. However, Plesak does, you know, bring up a, a, an interesting point. He's going to what, his his third season now? Uh, or, or, or it'll be his, his fourth season, right? He'll be, yeah. he'll be. It's his last year of uh, of team control because he's not eligible for arbitration yet. Right, right, right. Uh, and you know he's had the you know the freak injury. I think was was something that was you know whatever. He had the incident in 2020 with the uh, breaking COVID protocols and that that who knows how deep the scars are with that and how how deep a, a rift there is between him and the organization over that it, it, you know, both sides say there isn't, but is, is he maybe viewed as a, as a problem child type that, that they might want to move on, move on from. We saw that they already did from Mike Clevenger. So uh, would it be out of the realm of possibility that he could be, uh, even though he has value for certain, um, you know, somebody that they might dangle out there. 
Yeah, I, I would think, you know, they'd certainly listen to conversation. You know, they'd listen to people with interest in them in, in, in Plesak. I don't know if they're going to trade him, especially after last season. Um, you know, uh, he was the one guy that did come back. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Beaver and Savali didn't make it back until September. Uh, you know, Plesak came back from the broken thumb fairly quickly. Um, you know, was, but yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, attitude and whatever happens off the field comes into, comes into play sometimes. And like you said, Joe, he's had two incidents in the last two years where have kind of, you know, put the, put the team in a, in, in a bind really, you know, they, it did not, he was not, you cannot call him a team player in, in regard specifically to those two incidents. Right. And then on the other side of it, you've got a guy like a Shane Bieber, who's the ultimate team guy. And he does and says everything right in turn that you would want to see from a face of the franchise type uh, guy. And, you know, that's the guy you're talking about offering a contract extension to and and all, all the speculation there. So, you know, there's 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 differences that are pretty obvious between the two and, and why they would you know want to go in, in one direction as opposed to the other. All right, here's another one. Hey, Hoinsey, now that all the small market teams have been knocked out of the playoffs, what are your thoughts on revenue sharing and the possibility of a $100 million minimum payroll? Should there be a payroll uh, maximum? Uh, so that's the, the eternal question. Can they, could they get a, uh, a salary cap in, in instituted? But uh, that's from Brent in Hunting Valley. Uh, I, I really like the idea in theory of, a you know a payroll minimum uh, a payroll floor sort of concept i think 100 million is might be cost prohibitive for the indians yeah um you know in talking to people with the indians you know they've told me if if there's if there's a 100 million dollar floor you know you know uh, to a 100 million dollar minimum payroll that they 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 would have a hard time uh uh, making that, uh, ma- you know, paying that unless there was a big increase in uh, revenue sharing. Now, you know, there is revenue sharing. There wasn't revenue sharing in 2020 during the during the short season, the, the 60 right. game sprint. But it's back now. Uh, you know, the Indians are a recipient of revenue sharing. Uh, you know, they, they get, you know, a, a good chunk of their revenue comes from that. Uh, so, you know, it is in place. Uh, but for a for a for a floor to have a, a minimum salary of 100 million, which you know kind of was floated out there in the, in the early negotiations between the owners and, and players association, uh, in in uh, you know leading up to uh, a new basic agreement, um, you know, I think they, it would have, there would have to be a big increase in 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 revenue sharing, and uh, I, I, w- I would think uh, you know. I don't know. That's kind of some early talk. I don't know if that'll go by the wayside. You know, that might be just, you know, kind of a, a shot across the bow to uh, show that uh, the owners are bargaining in good faith. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I would be surprised if that's included in the final deal. I mean, in, in it's a negotiation tactic for sure. But, you know, we've seen things like pitch clocks and uh, you know, mound visits and, and the three batter rule, all that stuff gets sort of, you know, put out there in the ether and then eventually it, it comes to pass. It, we see it. So, so if this is hanging out there, if this idea of a payroll minimum 
and a, you know, whether it's hundred million or, or whatever it is, uh, would you be surprised if within the next, you know, five years or so we see something like that come around? You know, I, I guess not, Joe. I think, uh, you know, the last time I talked to the union guys, you know, this was, and this was a while ago, this is a couple of years ago, you know, the union had always been against a, a, a minimum, a minimum payroll. They, they felt it was a, a form of a salary cap that they wanted to give teams a chance to, you know, cut the payroll to the bone and rebuild. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't know if that still factors into this, you know, you've got the, uh, you know, the, the uh, you know, the, what is it, a $200 million, almost a cap, you know, with uh, mm-hmm. uh, that is on. Right, on with the luxury the tax. The luxury right. tax, which which serves as basically kind of a, a salary cap where if a team over, you know, spends beyond that, they pay a tax on on the amount that they're over that, over the uh, salary cap. Right. It, it would seem to me that the union would want to do things to avoid uh, having teams tank and rip their their salary and payroll all the way down to the to the studs, I I can't imagine why they would view a a, a minimum or a, a salary floor as a as a form of a cap. But you know, at, at this point, I'm I'm open to any suggestions that would you know just promote a little more equity and not see all these superstar players you know, sort of flowing to one team or one side or one, you know, one area is uh, it, regardless of whether they, they get bounced out of the, the NLCS tonight, the Dodgers, if you look at them, they're ridiculous. They have all of the best players on one team. It, it you can't, it, the league can't survive. It's not healthy for baseball that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, you know, Joe, it's always been that way. I mean, since, uh, you know, the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the, to the Yankees. I mean, there's always been the haves and the have-nots in, in, in professional sports. All right. Well, we are, are certainly the haves because we've got Hoinsey on our side uh, here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we will dive into a few more questions on tomorrow's show, uh, wrap up the week that way, and hopefully be talking about a, uh, a at least one uh, locked up World Series participant uh, if the Braves can get it done tonight. Uh, Hoinsey, we will check back in with you again tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. All right, Joe.